Hello everyone and welcome to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast and manager of BT Powerhouse on SB Nation. Uh, coming to you live here on the morning of the NBA draft on Thursday, I believe it's June 20th. Uh, first off, I want to start with a, a little bit of an update on the podcast before we get to some of the Big Ten hoop stuff. Uh, we are proud to announce that we have moved over to the SB Nation network. Uh, we've had a lot of negotiations, uh, a lot of transition uh, issues here over the last uh, couple of months. So that is why we have gone uh, zero dark 30 here lately. Um but we are back, and hopefully uh, we'll get more regular here with the podcast. I know I feel like I promise that all the time, but um, on the new network, uh, we're excited about it. We think it's a great partnership, and we're uh, optimistic about, about things moving forward. Uh, but, of course, I don't want to talk too long about the uh, things behind the scenes. Rather spend the time talking about Big Ten hoops. So I will start with... Um, the big thing on the docket as of now, which of course is the NBA draft. Now, some years the Big Ten shows up really well, has a lot of prospects in the, the top, you know, 10, 20 on the board. Other years, maybe this year, sort of, uh, things are a little bit weaker aren't as many clear-cut top prospects. So what I'd like to do is just touch on some of the guys who are, are we're hearing their name a lot, talked about on the draft, where they might go, where they might fit, um, and then touch on some of the guys who probably won't hear their name called tonight, but have a shot to make the league if they do well in the summer league this year, or, or I should say and or the G League next season. Um, and of course, for those who don't follow the NBA that closely, the G League is the new version of the D League. I have, I still have no idea uh, to this day why they renamed it, but um, that's what it is. It's the developmental league for the NBA where I'll, I'm imagining there will be a handful of Big Ten players next season. But let's start with the top of the board the marquee prospects and I'd say it's they're probably three guys that I would put in this classification um, and uh, those those guys are as follows Indiana's Romeo Langford Maryland's Bruno Fernando and then Purdue's Carson Edwards I think these are probably the top three clear-cut draft picks from the Big Ten I don't think I'm missing anyone here off off the top of my head and Frankly, I I think only one has a real, real legitimate shot to hit the lottery based on how we've seen things, how we've seen boards, um, and that's Langford. So I'll, I'll begin with him, move on to the other two here in a second. But Langford arrives in Bloomington with tremendous, tremendous hype last season. Many thought, you know... Prototypical five-star, one-and-done freshman. People thought he would go in the lottery a year ago when he was a, a recruit. He goes to Indiana. Has a good, solid year for a freshman. Nothing otherworldly. The Hoosiers struggle. They end up making the NIT. Langford, depending on your 
perspective or who you believe, he either sat out or he was injured for the NIT. He subsequently declares for the NBA draft and is now projected to be a late lottery pick and or um, second half of the, the first round, depending, of course, just how things fall. I know some people view him as a potential guy who could slide a lot um, on draft night. We'll have to wait and see, but if anything, I, I think it's a fairly safe bet that Romeo Langford will find a spot in the, in the first round. Excuse me. With regard to his skill set, how he translates to the NBA, I think in a lot of ways he's a little bit of a mystery, and I know that's that's kind of true across the board in college basketball, but I think in a lot of ways he's a he's a bit of a mystery, and that's because you know he was mired on a, a mediocre team, he was a true freshman, and according to some reports, he was injured for the entirety of last season with a hand issue. Again, Depending on your perspective, I can understand if you don't necessarily buy into that narrative that has come out after the season. But that that's what's out there. Um, a really good guy at getting in the lane, getting to the rack. Um, pretty, I, I would say, a solid defensive player. Um, he has the size. He has enough athleticism to succeed at the next level. I think the question mark in a lot of ways is his shooting. And he had moments where he he really looked like he had a decent stroke. He was hitting shots, but as an overall measure last season, not an elite shooter, not anything close. And in today's NBA, it's going to be a tough sell to be a guard um, and not be a productive shooter from three-point range. Now, basically the question is, you know, was it a byproduct of the hand? If so... He probably should go a lot higher than he is right now. Or, you know, is it just a deficit he has where, you know, he may top out at a, a 30, 32% shooter? We don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, last season, though, I, I believe he was right around 27% from three, which is not going to be good enough to be a top-tier NBA player in today's game. But I think Langford uh, really... He is a player to me that reeks of a guy where I think he would do well surrounded by a good hunk of shooters. Teams like San Antonio Spurs, uh, Toronto, um, Golden State, obviously, uh, Houston to an extent, I guess. But teams like that where he can facilitate someone, he can pressure the ball down the court and find open guys while he works on that three-point shot and also has some open opportunities. But I like Langford as a prospect. I think some people are getting a little bit too down on him in what was a lost season for the Hoosiers. I think he could be a productive guard in the NBA. Now, am I selling the farm on, on him? No. I think he has question marks. As I mentioned, if he doesn't develop that shot or at least get more consistent with it, he's probably never going to be a quality NBA starter. But, you know, when you're talking about the the mid-first round to late-first round, every guy's got some question marks. So that's for Hoosier fans, that's kind of what I would expect. I think he has a decent shot at, at sneaking into the lottery there at the end um, in the top 14, but we'll have to see. So moving on to the, the next two guys here, Carson Edwards. This is a guy who 
depending on what team you are, depending on how you value certain roster spots, I think he could be a sneaky good pick. I also think he could be a pretty underwhelming pick, again, based on your perspective, sort of what you're looking for in the draft. Because to me, Carson Edwards reeks of a guy who is going to come into the league He's never going to be consistent enough on the defensive end. He's never going to be consistent enough in his shot selection to be a top-tier starting point guard um, or starting combo guard, however you, you want to look at it. But I think he can get really hot from three. I think he's a player who can create his own shot against almost any defensive player in the league outside of you know maybe the top five or so uh nba is a little bit tougher than than the ncaa's but to me he looks like he could be a really really good backup point guard in the nba um kind of like a jamal crawford type of role um maybe ish smith uh who plays for the pistons guys like that who can come in keep the offense churning but you got to pull them off the floor after a few minutes because otherwise they'll start getting crazy with shots. They'll start giving up easy buckets on the other end. But, you know, there is value in having a good quality backup point guard, a guy who can facilitate the offense on the bench. And I don't think he's a similar player, but it, you look at Sean Livingston for Golden State, that's a key role for the Warriors. He was a big part in, in them winning those championships uh, in the past. So I think that... If you're a team looking for that backup point guard, a guy who you can stash on the bench for years, I think he fits that role, and I think he has a real solid shot in going in the first round. And not to get too in-depth about how the NBA draft works, my my philosophy, quote-unquote, or how I view how it should work, but once you get out of that lottery, frankly, I don't think you should expect starter production. Um, certainly not early. I think people a lot of times underestimate how f- quick the talent drops off in the draft and how few players actually turn out to be really, really quality pieces. Generally speaking, it's a handful of guys at the top of the draft, and then it's you know one to five guys through the rest of the draft and free ag- and undrafted free agents who just randomly turn into really solid players. Generally speaking, that's how it works. And you can look back uh, and you're going to see, wow, there are a lot of busts. There are a lot of guys who don't turn out. And if you can pick a guy and be like, yeah, I'm you know, I'm 75 to 80% solid that he's going to be a really good backup point guard, I think that's a good value pick. That's, that's not a swing for the fences. It's a calculated pick. But... If you're a team that's trying to hit for the fences, you're trying to cash in on some superstar, I don't think Carson Edwards is going to be that kind of guy. So that's kind of how I view him. It's really a perspective pick, um, and he's going to live up to the hype, in my opinion, if you have the right projection about him. But So that's what I, I think of Edwards coming in. The the final one who I view as a, a real major first-round prospect is Bruno Fernando, the big man from Maryland, really, really good down low, has little to no perimeter game Um, on the offensive end. Defensive end, I would probably say about the same thing, but really wasn't challenged much out there, so we don't know that from top to bottom. What I would say, though, is 
he is a guy who he's going to be able to go in, be physical. He holds his weight relatively well. Um, he also is is pretty good, all things considered, in my opinion, at, at running the floor. So, I mean, I think he could be a nice pick as a, a backup big man for a team in the late first round. I know I've seen a few mocks where he's... 28 to 30 something like that so right at the tail of the first round I don't think Fernando has has top tier potential and the reason I say that is because in today's game it's it's just nearly impossible to be a top tier player without a a real solid three-point shot he doesn't have that I find it very unlikely that he will ever develop that and that's something that a team's why he's probably dropping a bit on this board is because um, he doesn't have that that three point threat. So, but if he can develop the other parts of his game, you know, become a little bit better of a passer, maybe develop his handle to the extent he can, um, and see if he can develop a little more of that that low post game. Not specifically the back you down and dunk over you, but the little jumper, the little hook, that kind of stuff. He develops that a little bit, and he could be a, he could be a nice player in the NBA. Probably a backup, I think, but he could he could have a, a decent career if if he expands his game um, in the paint and the mid range a little bit. But so I I think those are are probably your your top guys there. I don't think anybody else is is clearly in in that group, but there are a handful of other prospects that could definitely land in the second round um and so forth so i'm i'm just gonna start start reeling these off uh we'll probably spend a little less time on them but um starting first with the the three michigan guys charles matthews uh iggy brazdinkis and then jordan Poole. i think all of these guys our second round picks at best. I think if anybody is going to slide into the first round, it would be Iggy. But I, I do not think that's going to happen at this point. I think most likely Iggy and Poole will be very tail end of the second round picks. And I think Matthews will go undrafted. And I should note, Poole, I do not think he's a lock to go drafted by any means. I think he could easily fall out and be an undrafted free agent. We'll have to see, but as of now, I, I would say more likely than not, I think Poole and Brazdinkis do hear their names called, but it's it's pretty low in, in the overall draft. Matthews, with his ACL injury, I, I do not think will be drafted. I think he's going to have to do his recovery, and he's going to have to hope he can get onto a G League team early and, and earn his way back, but we'll have to wait and see. Best wishes to him and his recovery, obviously, but... As far as Iggy and Poole are concerned, both of them have some really nice play. I mean, those two were a key reason why Michigan had such a successful season this year, but both of them had their issues. For Poole, it's shot selection. It's um, facilitation. He wasn't a great passer. Those types of things. Um, And for Iggy, there's some athleticism concerns, some some size concerns just because you don't really know what position he's going to play and also 
diversifying his game. He's really good at getting inside and, and getting a bucket, but what happens when he gets stopped, when he has a really good defender there and he can't just drive to the hoop or he can't just catch and shoot, what's he going to do there? Can he expand his game, shoot off the bounce? Can he expand his game where he can pass um, down low to a, a shooter on the perimeter, etc.? Those are the type of things that we need to see from him to have confidence in him being a, a quality NBA player from pool, like I said, shot selection, passing. I think for both these guys, and you're going to hear me say this a lot uh, in the second round, but there is no best fit. The best fit is the team that will draft you and will sign you to a contract in the second round. You, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and not to call these guys beggars, but when you're in the second round, you know, you don't have the guaranteed deals, you don't have the guaranteed couple of years to figure things out, so to speak, and that's where these guys are sitting, and frankly, that's that's what they need to do. They they have to go in there and they gotta earn their earn their spots. So we'll we'll see what happens, but that's what I would say on on the Michigan guys. A couple other guys here um, for Michigan State: Nick Ward for Minnesota, Amir Coffey, Jordan Murphy. I think all three of these guys are are kind of in the the same avenue. I think Murphy's going to have a really tough time making an NBA roster, to be honest. I think he was a dynamic rebounder at the college level, but I think his uh, lack of diversity in his offensive game, coupled with good but not outstanding defense, is going to make it really tough for a guy who's maybe a little bit undersized for the front core, more of a wing size type of player, but at the you know at the NBA level but not really a shooter, not really a guy who, who creates extremely well. So I think he's going to have a tough shot. Uh, my guess is you know, he's going to get a shot in the summer league. We'll see what he can do there. Maybe a team really wants a rebounder and he can find his way onto a roster. But I think it's going to be a tough sell for Coffee. I think Ward, or not Coffee, excuse me, Murphy. I think Coffee and Ward are kind of in similar situations where they're both decent prospects. I think Coffee's a better prospect than Ward, to be honest, but I think they're both decent prospects. Both of them have holes in their games. Both of them have shown moments where they haven't been the best player out there, to put it lightly, but both have some really nice skills as well that that could translate to the NBA level. I, I think Coffee's a guy who can create. I think Coffee's a guy who can shoot and create his own shot. Ward is fantastic in the paint. He doesn't have much else, but he's really good down low, um, particularly on the offensive end uh, with his low body weight, ability to use his feet and game position, those types of things. But both of these guys, and Murphy as well, as I mentioned, I think they're going to go undrafted. I think they'll get their shot in the summer league, and we will see who does what at, <laughs> at that point. So I that's kind of how I see. Uh, moving on to a couple others here. Uh, Nebraska, and this is someone who I, I should have mentioned earlier, but uh, Isaiah Roby, I think he has a, a real nice shot of being drafted here um, later tonight. In fact, I would say I think he has a better shot at being drafted than, than Poole and maybe Iggy as well. I, I think Roby can go in the early second round maybe find his way into the first round if he really impresses a team but as far as his skill set I mean tremendously athletic 
really good shot blocker. He can run the floor. He can play defense at multiple positions, and he can finish around the hoop. I downsides, um, solid, not elite three point shooter. Um, additionally, not your prototypical shot creator or guy who's going to facilitate your offense and moreover um, how many positions can he defend in the NBA because I think a, a, he's going to fit into the mold of what people want in a 3 and D guy. A guy who can go out there defend on the wing maybe at the front court a little bit and cash in when he can is in a catch and shoot opportunity. Those types of things. Now whether Roby can develop into that, I don't know. And the three and D thing, you know, you got to be a, a real good defender. And I think he can defend at least a spot or two in the NBA. Can he expand that and defend a little bit more? If he can, I mean, he could have a really long and solid NBA career. If not, you know, we'll see. But <laughs> I do think Roby will be drafted, though, on Thursday night. Nebraska has not had an NBA draft pick since the 1990s. So that would end a pretty rough streak for the Cornhuskers, be a, a proud moment for fans, even though, of course, I'm sure they hoped or wished Roby would, would be back for next season as well. But I, I think he's a guy who has a really good NBA profile. He could fit in well. Um, he, I Again, some of these guys, you have to remember that what I'm talking about where I say, you know, once you get out of those top 14 picks, you really can't be penciling people in as a starter. you got to hope they can be a really nice backup and kind of go from there. And I think he projects really well for that type of range. Uh, higher up, probably not. I don't think he can be a starter, but or at least on a good team. But solid backup, you know, guy who can fit into different positions, absolutely. The other guy from Nebraska is James Palmer, who graduated in the spring. I think he's a guy who fits in the mold of the Amir Coffey, Nick Ward sort of projection. I think he's going to have to earn his way in in the summer league. And the thing about Palmer is he is a uh, really good overall scorer, puts up really solid numbers, you know, night in and night out. I think he had four games all of last season where he didn't hit double digits, something to that effect. So, I mean, a really good just production guy. He can go out there and get points, but not super efficient, uh, not the best shot selection. And, of course, the question is, you know, what does he do if he only gets five shots a game or if he only gets three? And that's sort of the question because he is not going to get the same opportunities he did at Nebraska in the NBA. He's not. I would be thoroughly amazed uh, if he ends up being a, a really big-time starter and getting you know shot opportunities left and right. I think more likely than not, if he made the NBA, he'd fit into sort of that Carson Edwards role I was talking about where a guy who can come on, get you a couple buckets while your starter's on the bench, and then go sit down for the rest of the game. And the question sort of is sort of, can he be an efficient guy in a couple opportunities? And I'm not sure. His raw production indicates that he's a guy who can go out there and get you a bucket or two when you need it. However, um, how does he translate to the NBA level against better defenders, uh, against bigger size? And, of course, as I mentioned, um, 
he's going to have to <laughs> be a little more selective uh, with the shots he takes at the NBA level. So I think he will go undrafted. I think he has a shot at the league, and, and you know, we'll see what he does in, in the summer league here. Um, moving further down, and I... I uh, oh, I'm going to jump back here. I'm going alphabetically, as you may have figured out. But um, Indiana, Jawan Morgan, another guy who I think fits into this mold of going to have to earn his way into the league, in the, the summer league. And in a lot of ways, listen to what I said about Nick Ward. He's a good guy in the paint. Doesn't really have a perimeter game, which is going to be an issue. The question is, is I, I think Morgan could defend more on the perimeter than Ward. But how good can he be? That's a question mark. We'll see. I think Morgan's going to have to earn his way in the summer league. Uh, I do not think he will be drafted. Um, and another another guy I, I missed here that I should have mentioned earlier, but Iowa's Tyler Cook. Crazy athlete. Really, really efficient inside the arc. Not an elite uh, shooter. And he's a guy who I, I think has a somewhat decent shot of landing late in the second round if you know you had the old gun to my head or, or the, however the freeze goes I don't think he's going to get drafted but would not surprise me very much if he, he ended up hearing his name called I think he has a lot of athleticism I think he's a guy who could be really good in transition and the question mark of course is going to be can he expand his game can he develop his shot more? Can he become a better passer? Um, but good defender, good in transition, um, good rebounder. He, he's got that type, those types of skills. But a little bit undersized to play in the front court in the NBA level. Um, but maybe a little, maybe not good enough of a shooter to play on the wing further back. We'll have to see how he he slides into an NBA position. But as I mentioned. I think he could get drafted on his his skill set. He will certainly get a shot in the summer league. He will certainly get a shot in the G League should he wish to. And we'll see from there. But I like Cook. Frankly, I I think he's a a, a bench guy at at best, given the the limitations he has in his game. But still an exciting player to watch. Um, but returning back to the the last guy I wanted to touch on. If I miss someone, I apologize. I, it wasn't intentional. Um, but Wisconsin's Ethan Happ. Happ is one of the weirdest players um, I've seen come out of the Big Ten in, in quite some time where he was thoroughly, thoroughly dominant over the last couple of years. I mean, one of the best players in the Big Ten over the last four years. Just Fantastic offensively, fantastic defensively, a smart player, great feel for the game, but not super athletic, not the best in transition, and finally, he has no perimeter game at all. And the thing is, is in today's NBA, it's just really hard to make it in the league if you're that one-dimensional. And the, the interesting thing, though, is, like, as I said, Hap, 
he's so good at the other aspects. That's what makes it so bizarre because there are guys who make it in the NBA based on just one skill. You know, they're the guy that does X, like I said before. Maybe they're the 3 and D guy. Maybe they're the rebounder. Um, maybe they're the bucket getter. Um, those types of roles. But Hap is really, really good inside the paint. It's just he doesn't have a shot. He has a, a couple moves which are really, really hard to defend. But you wonder, could some NBA big men defend those moves? I'm not sure. I think they'd certainly be more effective. But And then, you know, how, how is he going to develop without the, the elite athleticism? You know, he is an older player, so you're not going to expect as much growth. So I think Hap will absolutely go undrafted. I think he has no shot at getting drafted, to be honest. But if he wants to, I, I presume he would get a shot in the Summer League. I presume he would get a shot in Europe or maybe the G League. Um, but it, it's just such a bizarre profile where you look at this guy and he's so good but not getting the, the NBA buzz. But he should be interesting to watch. With all that said, it, it should be an exciting night for the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten has a, a nice shot at, at getting a handful of players drafted, including three, maybe four if they're lucky in the first round. Um, and I think we, we could have uh, you know a little more depth from the Big Ten and the NBA, so that's always a nice thing to follow. Um, other than that, uh, don't want to hit on a, a ton of other stuff. I really wanted this to just focus on the NBA draft, sort of what we're looking at. Um, I'm hoping to re- hoping to record another podcast here in the coming days to touch on all the off season drama that has happened since our last podcast, the John Beeline move, uh, the transfers going crazy, um, and then of course the decisions of the guys who came back and sort of how that affects the Big Ten. Certainly, I, I would like to touch on that, but more in depth uh, than I can do today. But with that. Um, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Uh, make sure to check out BT Powerhouse. We have profiles on basically every one of the Big Ten prospects at this point. If we don't, they'll probably post uh, Thursday morning. <laughs> um, so check those out, read them, and we'll have all coverage during the entire draft and all weekend long. So make sure to stay tuned. With that, we'll see you guys next time.